Welcome back to The Glue Guys. This is Mike here. In about a minute, you're going to hear a podcast Brian and I recorded on Thursday, a very special podcast where we spoke a lot about Nick's coaching search, Vince Carter retirement, does his jersey deserve to be hung up in the rafters, and a little bit about Greg Popovich's real estate dealings that could be intriguing. But first, before I bring Brian in via tape recording, I just want to touch on, of course, the NBA released their final eight game of the season schedule for all 22 teams that will be going to Orlando to the quarantine end of season games and then playoffs. Two intriguing things to think about with the Nets. Brian and I are going to do a much deeper dive into this schedule, of course, coming up in our next recording. But before we do that, this is two intriguing things. One, the Nets schedule is not that hard. It just really isn't. Tom Haberstroh from NBC Sports did a really nice breakdown of all the games of all the teams that, that are going to Orlando that they'll be playing, and he broke it down via if a game is against an easy team, it is colored green, and if it is against a hard team, it is colored red, and the Nets have more green than red. Five of their eight games are against teams that are below 500 right now, including two games against Orlando, the team that matters most to the Nets because the Nets are only a half game above Orlando. So it's an easy schedule. There's basically no excuses. And the second thing to note is that, you know, there's some people that believe the Nets should tank, and I don't necessarily disagree with them because it would be dope to get back that first round pick. But the Wizards have a, a harder schedule than the Nets for sure. And when you even look at it even deeper for the Wizards, they play one real true easy game against the Suns, which is the that first game. But then they play the Nets in game two of the schedule, Indiana, Philly, and then what what is classified as an easy game via the the win record is in reality not an easy game, and that is the Pelicans. They play the Pelicans in the fifth game. The Pelicans currently are below 500 in their record, but they have Zion, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday. They have a very good team, a team that was on the trajectory upwards. So that is uh, considered an easy game, but in reality, it's not for the Wizards. And then it goes OKC, Milwaukee, and Boston. Uh, even if those teams... OKC will likely be fighting for playoff positioning. Milwaukee likely will not. Boston may be fighting for playoff positioning. Those teams, even if they're not giving 100% effort, would still be better than the Wizards. So I kind of think the Nets have an easy schedule paired with the Wizards not having the easiest of schedules kind of kills the tanking thing, but we'll dive deeper into the tanking discussion in our next recording. I just wanted to pin a note on this pod before you listen to it. That of course, we're going to talk a lot more about the schedule, but you're going to also hear in this episode a lot more about Vince Carter and why his jersey probably does deserve to be hung up in the rafters of Barclays, for sure. So coming up, you'll hear that episode, and we'll be back in your ears as soon as possible. Welcome back to The Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Much better. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com and theathletic.com slash glue guys 40% off an annual subscription to the athletic Brian yeah the Nets are back wait, yes oh, wait. that's Ooh. true uh, this is an official news around the league episode oh okay um, we will we do that now yeah sure we will start yeah. <laughs> off maintaining in New York City uh, the Knicks coaching oh. search I have been consistently fascinated by because it seems like every three days, pretty consistent cycle, mm-hmm. 
we get a new report of a new name the Knicks are intending to, hi- to not hire, but to interview or may want to interview at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. The beginnings of the Knicks coaching search started first with Tom Thibodeau is the leading candidate. Yeah. The guy is reported by Shamsharani Sharani at the Athletic by Vorkanoff from the Athletic and a lot of other places have continued to confirm that Tom Tibbs is a leading candidate. And then we've continued on. Yeah, 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 but Kenny Atkinson is going to get an interview. Yeah, 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 but Jason Kidd is going to get an interview. Mike Brown, Mike Miller, the guy who's the interim mm. coach. Mike Woodson, wow. old Knicks coach. All the Mikes. And then there are Mike Smeltz. Mike Smeltz may dive in, yeah. in there. <laughs> Mike Golick, <laughs> definitely not. Um, uh-huh. And then there are like five assistant coaches, none of who I have ever heard of. Uh, yeah. the, the guy from Orlando, Chicago, San Antonio, Dallas, Haku- Philadelphia. There's just a lot of names that are being floated out there as getting interviews. And now we've got confirmation from the guy now leading the Knicks, Leon Rose, formerly an agent at CAA, now leading the Knicks organization. There was some conversation he had with Mike Breen this week, uh, like talking about his time. This is the first time that Leon Rose has spoken publicly about the team. And he says he's having interviews in two phases, conducting short meetings with candidates to, quote, break the ice before having, quote, full interviews with possible coaches. Um, I think my overall take on all of this is that it is embarrassing and hilarious to me that Leon Rose, this guy that the, the Knicks had hired, what would be the chief selling point about Leon Rose is that he's so well-connected, right? That he's this super agent, knows a lot of players, knows the league as intimately as anyone else, as most agents do, but yet he needs to interview a dozen people to be able then to, he should know who his coach is going to be. He should come in knowing this is the Mm. best, smartest guy that I've dealt with as a, as an agent. CAA represents coaches as well. He should be able to come in knowing precisely part of his pitch to James Dolan should have been. I know who the coach should be. That would lead us into the next generation. I don't need to interview a dozen people to answer that question. I can see it going either way. I mean, part of the pitch could be like, Hey, I am a super rigorous researcher, scrupulous hirer of coaches. And I'm going to go, I'm going to make this my 24 seven full-time job to find the number one best. I have some names that I think will be layups and great, but I want to make sure no stone is left unturned. I want Phil handy in the room. People as, you know, as Phil as, Handy's as my guy, deep, man. Deep you know I'm a handy head. Like chirp, <laughs> you are, you are a handyman. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, so I can see either way, but like yeah, it's a funny. It's interesting that that you want a uh, sort of strong strong man in the in the front office. You want yeah, you want is, a he, fascist <laughs> dictator. Yeah, he just <laughs> got hired. His whole yeah. his whole previous occupation was based around connections, knowing people, and knowing like the truth of a matter, knowing. Who were the good coaches to have players sign up with and play with? And he should know more than almost anyone because he his previous position was across the league. He had players on all teams, right? Like, so he would have had to dealt with all these coaches, had conversations with them in some way, dealt with all the general managers, had conversations with some way. So you should at least have some opinion going in. And it probably is Tibbs. Like, Tibbs is probably the guy. And he's doing this. You know what it really is as an agent? Agents, as you know, as a former literary agent, agents are come from the culture of meetings. 
They yes. they have lunch meetings. Love a meeting. They have breakfast meetings. They have virtual meetings. They have post dinner cocktail bar meetings. Um, and Leon Rose is taking that meetings agent culture. Oh yeah, that's true. To basketball. That's a that's a great that's a great insight. That's exactly right. And it's going to get worse because they just hired Worldwide West as their executive vice president Very interesting. and advisor of basketball things. There's some other like weird title in there. Um, it's like best like b-ball advisor um, is, is another part. And so they're going to be taking some meetings, Mike, nowadays. It's interesting. So Worldwide West is obviously this sort of mysterious figure in all of basketball. He is very linked to John Calipari, which I don't think Calipari's. I mean, Calipari wouldn't interview for the Knicks position. Is that if he was hired, he'd be he'd be gifted it, and he wouldn't have to interview. It's like a Leo DiCaprio doesn't audition for roles anymore. Right, Cal right. doesn't interview for a certain position. No, um, I think that the the mystique of the Cal of of Cal in the NBA is it's just not not going to be. A, People are interested in it, but really everyone kind of understands that Cal's true value is just like getting 18 year olds to sign on the line, which is dotted. You know, he's more of a um, yeah. Glenn Garrett, Glenn Ross kind of kind of guy. It's, it's, it's a benefit to the NBA that he is in college because he's continued to shepherd guys further into the pros, too. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's it, what's really interesting to me about the whole Knicks thing is that there's like a superlative for each head coach. But none of the head coaching candidate, but none of them are perfect, obviously, because they're still they're unemployed or they're currently employed as assistants. So Jason Kidd's name comes up and immediately the headline is Nick's to interview Jason Kidd to then get Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's like Jason Kidd's value, and he knows this, is his relationship with Giannis, who is going to be the, the the best possible free agent to go to the free agency since LeBron or every time LeBron has basically been a free agent. Right. Um, even more so than I, well, Durant, I guess is debatable. You could have said Durant too, but Giannis to me is like just such a freak and is peaking at the right time. And so Jason Kidd was that Tibbs is like stable structure guy. Atkinson is Mr. Development. I would say that like Tibbs is unstable structure. Guy. <laughs> I think that's his brain. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, it's like it's he he will win you games, but in the end, no one's gonna feel good about it. No, yeah. everyone's gonna feel a little little. He's yeah. like fried. Wait, was it worth? Was it worth? It's it? like fr- <laughs> a bucket of fried chicken. Like it'll fill you up and it's tasty, but you feel really bad afterwards. Spoken from a guy who's been eating fried chicken for <laughs> this is three weeks straight now. I think. Right? Um, exactly right. Uh, yeah. I have <laughs> in, in a day, yeah. canola oil is pouring out of my face. I don't know if you use canola oil to cook. Fried chicken, but why not? Sure. You know, any yeah. vegetable. No, I, don't, okay. I, you, I think vegetable oil, definitely. I mean, certainly not olive oil. Once you're crazy. Well, and so we talk about Jason Kidd. And our second news item of the day is Vince Carter has retired. He announced his retirement earlier. He announced it on Thursday. Um, I think the immediate question is Vince Carter's number is not re- not retired for the Nets organization. Does he deserve that? Does Vince Carter deserve you grew up within the Vince Carter Nets era in your mind? Is he, is he worthy of that sort of recognition? It is funny to think that by default, we kind of, we inherit the rights to the Vince Carter Jersey because like, (laughs) um, (laughs) like he clearly was more of like a phenomenon in his Toronto years, but that just curdled. So um, conspicuously that it just doesn't make a ton of sense. 
Um, although there was like a, a forgiveness element there, they did like a, a proper, like, didn't they do like a whole thing where they played a tribute video for yeah, him? Yeah, they like, did, did. Like a, they certainly did a tribute video for Vince, and now he's he's he seemed to shift particularly because also the Raptors have now won an NBA championship that like all is forgiven on all sides, right. and it's been enough time. I mean, he was a rookie in 1998. And left Toronto in 2004, 2000, like the very beginning of 2005. So when he got traded, yeah. so like it's been a minute since he's been in Toronto, and people tend to forget. Like you know, you see when you talk, when you talk about like the, the greatness that Vince Carter was, we see the dunk contest and we see the in-game dunks, and he's wearing the Raptors jersey more so than the Nets jersey, and like those images stick longer than the nasty decline into you know what ended up being a really ugly trade situation. Yeah. So, I mean, so I guess the question is like, do you think he deserves to have his Jersey retired period? And I would say like, yes, you know, or like if that's like a, I don't know, these are kind of weird arguments because like this goes into like, there's, there is a hall of fame, right. For, for that it's, but if you're, (laughs) it seems weird to be in the hall of fame and then not have your Jersey retired anywhere. The Jersey retirement thing is kind of an odd practice for for a star journeyman like like vince carter who like you know never went deep in the playoffs anywhere really except for dallas um and he wasn't i mean i actually don't know how deep they went in his dallas year um i don't know i don't know don't look at whatever he wasn't either way he wasn't a super prominent figure on on that dallas team um but yeah so yeah it's such a tough one because he is great and everyone loves vince carter and and he is like uh you know like the mayor of, of professional basketball at the moment. Um, so he's definitely like in that way deserves a, uh, a retirement ceremony, but, but is it on, is it for the net? I guess, I guess it's for the nets. Cause it's just like, there's nothing but good, good vibes. Um, the nets rafters are a little bit sparse to begin. With. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There is like a, some good real estate there. You know? So that's kind of my argument. Why maybe the nets will do it. One, it's like, there's not that much Nets history. So to not celebrate a guy who was very good for the Brooklyn Nets and was an important player at the time, because like, you know, I mean, even though he wasn't as good as he was in Toronto, he still was putting up 25 points per game that first full season that he was with the Nets. And, you know, that he 20 points a game after that, 20 points after game after that. And he was an important figure and he drew more fans into the Nets at a certain time, which shouldn't be disregarded that a guy makes a team more popular by being on that team. Um, And like, there's just not that much history to celebrate with the Nets. And if you're, you know, I hate to, I hate to compare the Knicks and the Nets because it's just a different situation. But like, if you're the Knicks and you had Vince Carter for that run, I don't think they do it. Like if you're a team like the Celtics, it wouldn't matter in the grand history of the Celtics that Vince Carter was there for five seasons and was like really good for three. And then like, didn't really matter as much as it kind of went on. Um, but for the Nets, it's, it's a thing where like, he was very important. He was very good. He was at an important time for the franchise. And there's another factor that shouldn't be forgotten where it's like, Joe Sy is a very savvy person. I think from a PR aspect that he's talked openly about this and like, he had a, 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 a virtual sit down with the season ticket holders where someone asked him whether the team was going to decide to start celebrating its New Jersey history in any way. And he says, yes, we, we plan to begin to honor that more in some way. That wasn't a direct quote, but that was the sentiment. Right. And, and you know what else? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. Go. Interrupting. Yeah. 
well, like I'm just thinking about how Richard Jefferson has kind of been brought into the media bosom of of the Nets now, and how great that's been to have like an ex, like prominent ex Nets player, um, be featured in that way. And it just feels like there's like oh, that's like the community of of ex Nets players. That that's been nice. And if you if you do give Vince Carter that <clears throat> that ceremony and that treatment, like you're inviting him into your. I mean, I'm assuming he probably wants to have some kind of a media career after this or whatever, because I think he's made a few appearances on TNT um, over the last year or two. Um, that might be just a crazy assumption, but no, it's, no, no, he does. Possible. He wants to. Yeah, he wants yeah. to be in the media for sure. Okay, so perfect. And then bringing him into, I mean, New York, the uh, global coastal media mecca. <laughs> Um, it's like makes a lot of sense. So retiring him here and then like having him be like a Nets media guy in the way that Richard Jefferson is very much a national guy, but also, you know, feels like a, we have, we feel very close to Richard Jefferson as a media presence, as a Nets fan base. Um, doing that for Vince Carter might be kind of nice. Yeah. And Vince Carter, imagine Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson calling games. That's, that's super fun. I know. And I was, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about that and like, even if it's only like five games a year, those would be if you have Iron Eagle sort of like playing point guard with Richard Jefferson and Vince Carter from a broadcast perspective, you know that Richard Jefferson would only seek to embarrass Vince Carter in as as much of a fun way as possible. And Vince would basically just say to Richard Jefferson, like, I was so much of a better player than you, even though Richard Jefferson was really good. Um, I just, it would be a a tremendous (laughs) dynamic. And that's the thing that you're talking about, right? It's like Nets history, not that good. And why not trot out the best parts of Nets history at a very important, like that was a nice run that the team had. (laughs) I'm imagining now Jason Kidd replacing Ian Eagle as the play-by-play guy. And just having that like icy death row inmate, (laughs) like that, that way he speaks just like, you know, you know the way he talks. Yeah, he would be the first um, play-by-play man who would like, who simply just wouldn't say a word unless prodded by like <laughs> Richard Jefferson. Be like, hey, Jason, who's at the line right now? He's like, I don't know, Luka Doncic or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. He's he is that the disconnected, super so, slow, quiet speech. He's yeah. so boring as a head coach. He was such yeah. a droll. Like he would just. <laughs> He refused to have fun as a head coach. Refused. Besides having someone run into him to spill soda onto the basketball court. No, I mean, it, you know what? I, what you know what I recently realized is that droll actually means funny. Oh, yeah. so he was. Let me make sure that that's right. Yeah, droll is curious or unusual in a way that provokes dry amusement. Yeah, dry amusement can be boring, I guess, but eh. it's, I think it's more. Yeah, fun. but I wasn't using it correctly. I'm sure, but. I think yes, you you put up Vince's because again, this isn't the hall. It is in the Hall of Fame, so it's not like there's like a, a sport across like standard that you have to set. It's per every franchise, and you know you hope someday Kyrie's jersey and Kevin Durant's jersey are up in the rafters. But you know, like who who are we gonna know? We just we just don't know if that if the Nets are ever gonna get there. So, um, there you go, Vince Carter. Uh, hey, um, what else we got? Um, I'll, I'll I'll finish up with Pop because I did have something about Avery Bradley and the rest of the people that are staying home. But I, I think my overall sentiment is that, like I fully support every player that says they don't want to go to Orlando. I totally get it. And I don't know if you saw Evan Fournier was really upset that Davis Bertans, Davis Bertans from the Wizards is deciding to stay home because he doesn't want to get hurt going into a big free agency summer for him. He's about to make more money than he's ever made in his life. And he doesn't want to waste 
his time playing eight games for a team that won't qualify for the playoffs most likely. So he's deciding to stay back. And I can understand if you're on that team, you'd be a little frustrated. If you're Bradley Beal, that would frustrate you to some degree. Um, and then Evan, Evan Fournier spoke up. It's like, dude, you don't want Davis Bertans to be there because you're on the magic. You're competing with the Wizards. You want all of the Wizards to stay home. And I don't know. It's just like a weird look. What did, what did Fournier say specifically? I like how he said, like, we're not going to do this news bit. And now we're just in Yeah, no, now we're in it. Uh, he, <laughs> wait, what did Fournier say? He said, this is what's wrong with basketball. Or like, this is wrong with uh, ba- basketball tape. Basically, like, dude, Fournier, f- high roading. Come on, yeah. let's go. Like Evan Fournier, <laughs> dude, you just got, you got the, the bag of money dropped on you two seasons ago or last season. So you, you, yeah. from your ivory tower of cash is <laughs> yeah. talking shit about Davis Bertans, who's toured his ACL twice, I think in the, in the NBA. And he's a, he's worked his ass off to become one of the best shooters in the NBA and was planning to cash in this summer as he should like Evan Fortier. What's wrong with you, man? Let, let the man go make his money. If he gets hurt again, He's never seeing that money. That money's disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so that that was that conversation. People people hate that. People hate making business decisions with their basketball careers. They they want everyone to just be like super saiyan warriors at all times. It's just not it's not the right way to it's not the right way to do it anymore, Mike. Unfortunately, you know, people people have wised up. You know who's the most super saiyan warrior that I know as a basketball coach? <laughs> I, I I wouldn't have thought about it this way, but I do think I know who you're going to say. Greg Popovich. Wow. Wow. So he is kind of a Vegeta for sure. He's definitely a villain who's a hero, particularly in this moment. Um, So I've always been of the belief. What's been interesting as we discuss the Knicks coaching search with how public it's been, every name that will be interviewed has been leaked immediately. That that guy's going to be interviewed. We've heard nothing at all about the Nets coaching search. And the only thing we've heard was like eight months ago, it feels like Brian Windhorst saying that the Nets are going for a blue chip coach. So we heard that. That was exciting. And then we've heard nothing. We've heard names that we could speculate about. Ty Lue. Um, I don't even know who else is like on the board at this point. Jock Vaughn will have a legit shot at being the coach. Um, but the guy I've, I have always held out hope for and always lusted after like every every other NBA fan in the world is Greg Popovich and pop. This is a story in the LA times. Um, Pop is, this is the lead from Jack Fleming who wrote this pop is preparing his team for a playoff run in Orlando, but the Spurs coach is still eyeing some real estate action in Texas. The five-time NBA champ just trimmed the price of his San Antonio mansion to $3.1 million. Trimmed the price, you say? Huh? Price to sell, maybe? Yeah, so here's the issue that, that's going to crop up here. <clears throat> I want this this news item to so much be the breadcrumb that leads to the loaf of bread that is Greg Popovich becoming the Brooklyn Nets head coach. Okay, I really do want this to be the beginning. Because we often yeah. see, you know, Tom Brady did list his home in Boston to start last season. And there were a lot of people like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. He's just selling his house and he'll move somewhere else. He wants to move closer to his family. And some of, well, his son lives in New York City. One of his sons live in New York City. He wants to move closer there, but he's still going <laughs> to play for the Patriots. Yeah. Um, it was like not a big deal. But we should know that when people sell their homes, it typically means something. 
Sometimes it doesn't. Well, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Even, I mean, the real estate one for when LeBron went back to um, Ohio, there was like a, a real estate leak or whatever for that, yeah. um, which turned out to be true. Yeah. And so it it may mean something. Now, here's the... It, oh, it definitely means something, Mike. Let's not let's not <laughs> hide our... It's, <laughs> well, this I'm is the piece of information that, that may dissuade yourself, Brian, from this. Okay. Is yes, that please. so? When we had said when Jack Fleming from the Los Angeles Times says that Popovich trimmed the price of his mansion to three point one million dollars, it's because he had listed the property for four point five million dollars in two thousand eighteen, and then last summer put it up for three point five. So he's been trying to sell it for two years now, and it kind of leads to like, well, if he's been trying to sell it for two years now and he's been here consistently, like he's been coaching the Spurs. You know, like, why is he trying to sell? Like, the, there's no reason why he's trying to sell. Now, I will say the motivation to continually drop the price may mean that he is now very motivated to get out of San Antonio and come to Brooklyn and coach the Brooklyn Nets. And that th- that's the end of the story. Um, <laughs> it, I'm glad that it still ended with that means that <laughs> he's going to be the coach. <laughs> he's like, let me let me take the air out of this. Uh, conspiracy, and then you just completely filled it back up. Um, but that's what I like about you. Mike. I would suggest googling the house. The funny thing, if you grew up, is it nice? If you, What's it? Yeah, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. the 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 defining, the crown jewel wow. of the estate is a six hundred square foot <laughs> wine cellar made of reclaimed Jerusalem stone. That, as the writer writes, is hidden at the edge of the property. Can I say this? I, I'm honestly, this is a little bit ostentatious for what I was expecting <laughs> Greg, Popovich. For, for Greg Popovich. I mean, I know he's got a lot of money or whatever, but this is like Versailles out here in a Texan Versailles. Yeah. This is huge. And, yeah. and so the other thing I do want to mention, it is a gorgeous house. When you see it, it's gigantic. Like the, there's a, a basically like a two story pillars, living room. pillars all around yeah. pillars for days and it, it wrap around porch. They run the whole two doubles. Two floors of wraparound porch around this whole thing. It's crazy. And um, so it's amazing, right? $3.1 million for anyone that, that has lived or does live around New York City is like is like buying a brownstone in Brooklyn, right? Could you even... Mm, what's the, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's I think you're looking at like four or five in, in today's market. For a brownstone in Brooklyn? Well, it depends on what part Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. So... That's the, if you want to buy like a big brownstone, like Brooklyn Heights, one of those stupid, like that, that's like 10 million. So as an NBA player or an NBA coach or whatever, I see this and I think like, you know, that's the crazy thing. Like we've classically heard a lot of Knicks players, like why the Knicks don't attract free agents. Part of the reason is because the practice facility is in Westchester and no one wants to live in Westchester. I mean, a lot of players don't want to live in Westchester though, even though they end up like do moving there and stuff like, and what the Nets have gotten a kind of a small advantage because Players can live in New York City and then just simply go to practice the facility in Sunset Park. It's a very easy process. Um, if I'm Greg Popovich and I can't even get $3.1 million for a nearly 10,000 square foot home with a reclaimed Jerusalem wine cellar. You got to see this wine cellar here. Brooklyn scares me off a tiny, tiny bit. Now, <laughs> a sub thing off of this, Brian. He doesn't like the house. He wants to sell it. He doesn't like the Jerusalem. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, doesn't like the re- Jerusalem stone that he reclaimed. Yeah. Uh, or maybe he just claimed it. It could. Maybe it wasn't reclaimed. Maybe he claimed it initially. I mean, you're saying that he... <laughs> I claim <laughs> the stone. 
<laughs> can we, if that's what can my people do? Let me see. Claim. Um, anyways, so this. I will say we are in this mo- moment, and I, you know, this moment of social justice, right? This social justice movement that we in Kyrie Irving is very attached to it, and the Brooklyn Nets have been very forward in supporting that movement, while the, of course, the New York Knicks really haven't been all that supportive in as being out, out front as Brooklyn is. Barclays Center has been the epicenter for a lot of the protests in a very powerful way. The players of the Nets have been very forward on this moment in a very powerful way. And Greg Popovich himself has been very outspoken. But the only thing you can get Greg Popovich to talk about is social justice and how much he dislikes the current president. And it's not that the Spurs haven't been forward um, in this moment. Though I do think there's probably some element of the Spurs holding back because, you know, let's be honest, Texas isn't as liberal as Brooklyn, New York. I just wonder if there's like some small part of because we've seen pop basically kind of be rebellious a little bit in this moment, be so out there and really representing himself and not really the Spurs, but just represents his own viewpoint. I don't know. There may be some small part of him who's like. I want to fight this fight and I want to be at the team that does that really supports my cause. You know, politics really matter in increasingly matter in the personal decisions people make could be something that pop is looking at and being like, I'm at the end of my life here and I end my career. And I'd rather be an organization that fully supports sort of my viewpoint on a lot of things. And if you listen to pop's interviews, he's, he's, he's a fighter for this stuff. Like he's not just a guy who, puts out the statement and says he supports like he's fully immersed in it. Um, I'll say this last bit about the wine cellar here, the layout <laughs> of the furniture, I get this is like kind of hilarious. It's like basically a picnic table style table down here, but he's got two big chairs on the ends of it. Not in the, not in the like thin part in the middle there. So it's like just seating for two and there's about, 12 feet of distance between you. <laughs> so you can be, this is where you can be interrogated by Greg Popovich while you get drunk. Yeah. This, this is the vibe. Um, so I, I, I don't, you know, it's his home's up for sale. It's a thing, you know, it's, it's a news item. It, w- Brian, should Josiah buy that home as part incentive? <laughs> ah, that's great. Is, is that genius? Is that Mike. breaking? I don't think, I don't, th- I can't imagine that would, I mean, maybe it does break like NBA laws, right? Like, Oh, a million percent. It's gotta <laughs> okay. be. <laughs> yeah i mean but like you know shell company there's ways around yeah. it you're right yeah. You know? yeah absolutely who's gonna know if you spin up some real estate llc the guy's got billions of dollars we'll never know i i will propose josiah if you wire me the money that it would take to buy this house i will buy it you, you for promise not to escape to mexico with it <laughs> what's that just go to <laughs> you promise not to escape to mexico with it no honestly if you just wired me the money i would buy this yeah, house you'll never see it again no. gorgeous no it's gorgeous. This but for you to live in, or you just to be the the what do they call it in um uh, the rat hole <laughs> in Wolf of Wall Street? You're, you're the rat hole here. Oh, oh, is that like the guy who is the the guy you give the money to do the transaction for? Yeah, I will be the rat hole. I will firmly yeah. be the if that gets the Nets, Greg Popovich, absolutely. And yeah. I get to own real estate in San Antonio, the bustling San Antonio real estate market. Um, mm-hmm. I will gladly do that. Well, that is our show. Oh. Thank you. What a fun show. Thank you all for listening. Uh, for much more from the glue guys, go to our iTunes page. This feels very okay. Go to our iTunes page and rate us. 
and then wow. subscribe. If you don't, if you somehow stumbled upon this episode and you don't subscribe, subscribe. It's super fun. We just the episodes really, just appear in your feed. You're doing some good plugging here today. Thanks, man. That's good. That's good work. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye, Brian. Goodbye, Michael. <laughs>